if you would, in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to get back to our, our First Timothy study this, this Wednesday night as well. That's been a wonderful study in God's Word. Praise the Lord for Sunday school this morning. We're going through the Psalms. If you missed it, you missed a wonderful one. Uh, Chris and Maria taught on the last half of Psalm 37. Peter will be teaching ne- next week. And we're just going through some of these Psalms and, and uh, studying them together. It's been a wonderful time. Hebrews chapter 10. Read with me in verses 35 through 37. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come, and will not tarry. What a wonderful passage. He tells us, though, at the beginning of verse 35, and this will be our main thought, that not to cast away our confidence that we have in Almighty God. Don't cast it away. Our confidence in God carries with it or brings with it great reward, it says from the Lord. You don't, you don't want to cast away something that's of the greatest value to cast it away because it brings with it, hope in God brings with it great reward. The Bible says that, he, that when we come to the Lord, we, we must come by faith and know that he is. Two things we have to believe. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, for he that cometh to him must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He is a rewarder. A great reward comes with our faith in God, our confidence in the Lord. And in light of the rewards of God that are coming to us and in view of his soon coming, as it was mentioned here in verse 37, on the very brink of the fulfillment of these prophecies and promises to us, we're told not to cast away our confidence in the Lord. Our confidence in the Lord, confidence means boldness or assurance. It means assurance, okay? And we're to be sure of God and the things of God. And as we mentioned this morning, in the time of praise and worship, our lives are built upon that rock. We need to know that, and we need to believe that. We need to stay right there, stay grounded upon that rock. You and I are on the very brink of the fulfillment of the promises of God. We're on the very brink of receiving the rewards that come to the righteous, the rewards that come to those that are in Christ, those that are saved and walk with him and serve him. And the Bible says right here, cast not away. What does it mean to cast away? It literally means to throw away or to lose. We don't take our confidence in the Lord and throw it away and cast it away. God's word instructs us right here not to do that. God's word admonishes us and, and that we're, if we know the word of God, we know that the age in which we're living. We're not living in the days of Noah. We're not living even in the days of Jesus when he walked on this earth. We're living in this day, in this church age, and everything that the Bible says about this age is coming to pass. Therefore, we know we're in these days. You and I are currently on the the edge or the very verge of the completion of our salvation. What do you mean the completion of our salvation? I'm already saved. I understand if we're saved, we're saved. We can't be any more saved. And yet there is more to our salvation, if that makes sense. There's more ahead. 
that's wrapped up in this salvation that we're not there yet and haven't experienced yet. When we see him, we'll be like him, for we'll see him as he is. The Bible says that, um, that there's a glorified body that's coming at the rapture for the saints of God. That's, that's part of our salvation, right? And so we're saved as we'll ever be, but there's more to our salvation that still lies ahead of us. And you and I, in this day in which we're living, right now this morning, sitting in this church, we are currently on the very brink of the completion of these promises of God. The completion, I guess you would say, of our salvation, the eternal blessings and the eternal rewards which the Lord has promised us and promised to his children. Peter says, receiving the end, uh, even the end of your salvation, there's an end of our salvation. I guess there's a completion of our salvation that we say, well, I'm saved. If I died, I'd go to heaven. If you're saved, you would go to heaven. You can't be any more saved, and yet there's more in Christ that he has for the believers that we haven't experienced yet. And so there's an end of our salvation or a completion of our salvation, and that lies ahead of us. And according to the word of God and what we can see by a plain reading of the scriptures and being taught by the Holy Spirit, we're on the right, on the very brink of it. We're on the verge of it. Whether we die today, individually we die or or, we, or we're raptured either way, we're close, right? We're close to seeing the Lord and we're close to the completion of our salvation. Can I tell you what the word of God is telling us all this morning? Now is not the time to throw away your confidence in the Lord. There's never a time to do that. But now he's saying in light of his soon return, in light of the rewards and promises to the, for the righteous and those that hold their confidence in the Lord, now is not the time to draw back. Now is not the time to turn back. Now is not the time to go back. You know, Peter, Peter talks uh, about the proverb from the Old Testament. He says it's uh, someone that is in the faith and that turns from the faith. They don't just sin, but they, they turn from the whole faith. We would call it apostasy or a falling away. And it says, like, it's like the true proverb, the dog is returned again to his vomit. That's a man going back to their sin, casting away their confidence in the Lord, having been a partaker and in, in the faith, and now saying, I want nothing to do with it. I want that life I had before. And going back to it like a dog returning to his vomit. It's not a pleasant thought. Or it says, or, uh, or the sow that was washed returning to wallow in the mire again. That's the two descriptions. We don't want to, now is not the time to draw back or to go back. Now is not the time to let up or give up. Now is not the time to give in or cave in. Now is not the time to lose heart or lose hope. God wants us to know that. He wants to provoke us this morning and encourage his people that now is absolutely not the time to draw back. Now is the time to trust the Lord and to trust in the Lord with all of our hearts because now is our salvation nearer than when we believed, the Bible says. It's nearer than when we believed. Things are hard. I can't watch the news much anymore. I rarely watch the news, although I don't feel like I'm, I don't feel like I'm in denial and I don't feel like I've stuck my head in the sand like an ostrich and pretend it's not there. I just... Uh, it doesn't exhort me, even though I know it's true. 
I don't need to be reminded of it. I need to be reminded of this because this is true. I don't have any desire, nor would I desire you to be ignorant and unaware of what's going on in the world today. So please don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's a sin to watch the news. We ought to know what's going on. But knowing the Bible, we know where we are. We know what's going on in the world today. Things are hard. The overall climate, I guess you would say the moral climate, is hard. It's dark, isn't it? It's dark. It's, it's godless, the overall climate. not saying every human being on the planet. It's fierce. You know, when the Bible says that in the last days, perilous times shall come. Perilous, that's what it means, fierce. It is a scary word. Perilous times are going to come. It's not some light, little, fluffy thing. Perilous times are going to come. Fierce, dark, wicked, dangerous. That's what the word uh, perilous means. In the last days, perilous times shall come. We see men's hearts are cold and they're callous. We see wicked men. We see men that are lovers of themselves and lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Incontinent, fierce, heady, high-minded, despises of that which is good. The Bible says from such we're to turn away. Things are against us as a Christian. Things are against us as Christians. People, movements, rulers, governments. There's the rulers and the princes of, of the, the power of the air and the darkness of this present world. There's lies. There are all kinds of things that are against us. And evil men and seducers are waxing worse and worse deceiving and being deceived. But you know what the Bible tells us? Don't cast away your confidence in the Lord. If I focused on this world, I'd be a nervous wreck. If I focused in this world, I'd have a, a nervous breakdown or a heart attack. I would focus on Christ. I'm going to keep my eyes on the Lord Jesus. I'm very well aware of what's going on in the world. And I know my God is in control. There's a God of this world that is being allowed a measure of authority and power, but his days are numbered. They're numbered. They're numbered, to, as a matter of fact, to the exact day, to the exact moment when Jesus comes back riding a white horse in the valley of Megiddo on the, the valley of Armageddon, and we'll be riding with them, those robed in the white robes of, of the Lord and the righteousness of the saints. So his days are numbered. I want to read this scripture. If you're taking notes, it's Romans 13. 11 and 12, and that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. He's not writing to lost people. He's writing to saved people. It is high time. That means esteemed to lofty in the first place. It's high time to awake out of sleep for now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. How about that? Well, I was saved when I was a kid or I was saved in college or saved in BBS, whatever. Whenever we were saved and truly became born-again believers of Christ, you're, you and I are now nearer to the completion of that salvation than the day that we believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. It's not some far way, way down the road thing. And that's why he's saying now is the time to wake up. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. All of that and all of what we read in Hebrews and are going to read from Hebrews is in light of his soon return. It's in light of that. It's not just do right because. 
that would be enough if we're told serve God because he's God. Amen. But he also says serve God and do what's right and wake up out of sleep and serve him with all your heart and don't cast away your confidence because you're on the very brink of the Lord's coming and the fulfillment of these promises that he has for us. He says, and that knowing the time, I just ask myself and ask you, do you know it? Do you know it? Do you know it from the scriptures or just know it because the preacher said so? Do you know that it's high time to wake up out of your sleep? Do you know that your salvation is nearer than when you first believed? We need to know it from the, God's word. We need to believe it and we need to believe him. We need to believe the author of this book we, and we need to believe what he wrote. Amen. And he tells us to wake up because our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. This, we heard in Sunday school this morning about the law and, and, and uh, the righteous staying in the law and in the word of God, meditating on it and so forth. And, you know, David said in Psalm 119, he says, I, I have more understanding than the ancients because I keep thy precepts. I got more wisdom. He's not bragging. It's the truth. I have more wisdom and understanding than all these ancient people that have gone before simply because I keep your word. You want to have wisdom and know where we are? Know what we should do in such an hour as this? We need to know God's word. Amen. And stay in it and walk in it. And as dark and as contrary as things are. We can take, take comfort in knowing that everything that's happening in this world today, everything, dark things, secret things, conspiracies and plans to control and, and uh, to conquer and so forth, everything is exactly how our God said it would be. And what age was he describing? Everything is exactly the way he said it would be in these last days. In these last days. Everything is exactly how we said it would be in these end times, in these days just prior to his glorious appearing. First, there's going to be a rapture. We study it. We talk about it all the time. There's a rapture of the church. The dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds. So shall we ever be with the Lord. And we're actually to comfort one another with these words. We're getting close to all of this. We're getting close. We're on the brink of it. And it's just the way God says it would be. And he tells us to look up for your redemption draweth nigh. If I just looked um, horizontally, I would get discouraged. And discouraged is probably putting it mildly. I would get angry. I would be fearful. I would be in desperation and not know what to do. I would try to take matters into my own hands and fix it if I just looked horizontally around. But if I look around and I say, yep, it's just like my God said it would be. And then I look unto him, the author and the finisher of my faith. And I look up for my redemption draws nigh. Amen. It's not the time to cast away our confidence. But as it said in Romans, to cast off the works of darkness. This is in context of what we're talking about. What should I be doing now? Life is crazy. Life is dark. And evil men and seducers are waxing worse. Yes, they are. Hallelujah. In one sense, hallelujah. It's just what God said. What happened? What am I to do? You hang on tight to Jesus. That's what you do. 
don't give yourself a thousand things to do. Give yourself one thing to do. Stay planted upon that rock. Keep your eyes upon Jesus Christ. Now is not the time to cast away our confidence in the Lord. God's people are to trust him. And we're to trust him right now. Right now, it, it is in these perilous times that we're living, we are to believe in the Lord, hold to the Lord, hold to his promises. We're to be fully armed and robed in the armor of Christ in Ephesians 6, and having done all to stand. What am I supposed to do? That's what I'm supposed to do. Arm yourself with the things of God that he's given to us, and then having done all, we're to stand. One thing I don't want to do, and I don't want you to do, is to get right on the brink, which we are, right on the brink, I guess you say, on the verge of all of these things. They're going to fall like dominoes. When they start, it's going to start. We're seeing the climates here. Everything's ready. When the first domino falls, you know, the second, they're going to go very quickly. And we can get lulled to sleep. That's why it says in Romans, wake up. That's why it says in Ephesians 5, wake up. Okay, and I don't believe in either passage he's talking to unbelievers. They need to be saved and wake up as well. But I believe he's talking to the church to wake up. And I don't want any of God's people to give up or cast away our confidence in the Lord so very close to the prize, so very close to the finish line. It is not the time to walk away. The Israelites in the wilderness, that first generation, everything that came out real quickly, right? There were the, there were the plagues and, and things got worse in Egypt and, and the taskmasters made it harder on them. But when the Lord brought them out, he brought them out all at once, right? Whole nation, men, women, and children, animals. They spoiled the Egyptians. They came out in one night, a whole nation in one night without drawing a sword or firing a bow and arrow. They're out. They came clean out, not a hoof left behind, right? And they got very quickly, they got very quickly to the brink of the promised land. They got to the Jordan River. They got to the edge of it. And yet they did not enter in. They did not enter in because of unbelief. They cast away their confidence. If they ever had it in the Lord, they cast it away. And they decided to go back. So people can be close to the blessings of God and the land that flows with milk and honey and cast it away. And so everything in the word of God is telling us not to do that. We don't want to be right on the brink and then miss it. Because at the last moment, we got scared, we got uh, worldly, something. We got something that stole our hearts away from confidence in the Lord. We want to keep our eyes on the Lord. You know, there's an interesting account. I was thinking about this. You can turn, if you want to, to 2 Kings chapter 6. I'm just going to read a few passages here. But in Elisha's day... Elisha's day, he was the prophet in Samaria. And King Benadad, the king of Syria, had besieged Samaria. Besieged means like they, they circled around it and choked it off. So the people were in the city, couldn't get in and out, couldn't get food, couldn't get goods in and out. And, and it became a great, there became a great famine, due, not a famine, a great uh, people were starving because of the siege. 
they were, they were uh, I'll just read this. 2 Kings 6, verse 25. They had graced, great hosts of Samaria, uh, Syrians had besieged the city, and there was a great famine in Samaria. And behold, he besieged it until an ass's head was sold for four score pieces of silver. A donkey's head was sold for 80 pieces of silver for food. 80 pieces of silver is a lot of money. And a fourth part of a cab of dove's dung for five pieces of silver so they could eat it is bad. People were turning to cannibalism. People were eating. We boiled my son and ate him yesterday. We're going to boil your son and eat him today. This is what the Bible said. You, can't, you couldn't picture a time being much more dark and desperate than that. And yet, you know what? They were on a one day away from a deliverance. They were on the very brink of it. I'm just going to read this. Elijah said, Hear ye the word of the Lord. That's the word we need to hear. Always and in every generation. What voice do I need to listen to? I need to hear what God has to say. And I don't weigh it and balance it. Well, some experts say this and God says this. I'm not sure what to believe. You believe God. It outweighs everything. We go with the Lord 100% of the time. You'll be blessed and rewarded 100% of the time because he's a faithful God. Okay? Elisha said, hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, tomorrow. And we just read about how sore the conditions were. Desperate tomorrow about this time. So about 24 hours from now, shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel? And I'm reading seven, chapter 7, verse 1. And two measures of barley. Okay, we're talking about good stuff now. Fine flour and barley that we can make cake and bread and stuff with. Shall, for a shekel. It's like a penny. You're going to be able to get tons of food for a penny. Tomorrow at this time, and, and there was in the gates in the gates of Samaria, right here in this gate. So one of the king's servants, who king of, of Samaria of Israel's servants, heard Elisha said this, and he was not a believer, obviously, and he was a mocker, and he had gone out earlier, and they wanted to kill Elisha, thinking he was the cause of all this problem. She was not. Their own sin was the problem, and idolatry. He says, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? He was a scoffer. Elisha says, behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but thou shalt not eat thereof. 24 hours from now, all this is going to happen. This man doesn't believe it and ridicules and mocks and basically saying, Elisha, you're nuts or a liar. It's not going to happen. But he said, thus saith the Lord, and it was the Lord. 24, Elisha says, you're going to see it. You'll get to eyeball it and see all that food and all this. You're not going to get to eat one bite. Because of unbelief. And what happened was, there's four leprous men. They said, if we stay in the city, we're just going to starve to death and die. I love it, leprous men. You're going to die anyway, right? Everybody's in the same boat. The lepers and everybody else is starving to death. If we stay here, we're just going to die. Let's just go out to the 
the Syrians and see what happens. If they have mercy on us and save us alive, then they save us a lot. If they kill us, we do but die. We're going to be dead either way. And they went out there. Everybody else is hunkered down in the city. And they go out there and all the Syrians were gone because the Lord had sent a troubling sound to them. And they all left thinking they were under attack and went and fought everything. They left their tents. They left it in a hurry, their food. And so they started, they, they were just going to enjoy it. And they said, no, no, we got to tell people about this. We can't just keep this to ourselves. It's too good a, a thing that's happened. And so anyway, and it came to pass that uh, it says, it came to pass in the gates of Samaria that the fine flour was sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. And that man who mocked stood in the gates and the people were so excited running in and out to get this stuff they trampled over him and killed him he got to see it but didn't partake i don't want to get to the brink of the promises of god it's getting darker guess what if the lord doesn't come back tomorrow it's going to be a little bit darker if he doesn't come back in 2024 2025 is going to be a little bit darker i'll say a lot darker and it's getting worse and more dangerous and fierce and perilous and that just means we're that much closer to the deliverance of the lord death is a deliverance by the way death where's your sting right grave where's your victory sting of death is sin and god has forgiven us of sin so even that is a victory but it's precisely in this hour that the redeemed of the lord are to believe all the promises of God, everything that he has spoken. Jesus rebuked two of his disciples on resurrection morning. He was, in, he was risen from the dead and walking with the two disciples on the Emmaus Road, and they didn't know it was him. Their eyes were withheld. They knew it was a man. And he says, Oh, fools and slow in heart to believe all that the prophets have said. That man was a fool in Elisha's day, and we would be fools today not to believe all that the prophets have spoken, all that God has spoken. We are to believe his word and we're to believe it right now. The Bible says now the just shall live by faith. The Bible says now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's that right now. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Now when others and some are falling away from the faith, now, right now, when the Bible says that men will depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, right now, when it says that men won't endure sound doctrine, but heap to themselves teachers having itching ears and turn their ears from the truth and be turned unto the to fables, right now, when people are casting away their confidence in the Lord and abandoning, abandoning Christ and compromising and changing the truth of God and his word into lies, when people are abandoning the cause of Christ, when people are neglecting so great a salvation, when people are leaving their first love right now, you and I, is, it, is the time for us to hang on with all of our might, to press in closer with all of our might, to believe him with all of our hearts, to love him and live for him and seek for him and obey him with all of our hearts. You know, it's, it's in moments like this that which we're living, spiritually speaking, this day and age, and it could go with a lot of things in life. It's, it's when we're very, the most tempted, I guess you would say, to cast in, cast off our faith or to, to give in. 
or to draw back. People do, and some people will draw back from the faith. It's the times when we're absolutely feel the dark, things are the darkest, and we would feel I'm at my weakest. I'm at my absolute breaking point. I'm at my weakest. Some may be there now. Some may be on a mountaintop. Hallelujah for it. But it's at times when we, we're, we feel at our weakest and most vulnerable, most uh, closest to giving in. The temptation to giving in and say, I just want to, I'm done with it. I'm trying to serve the Lord, do what's right, and look what's happening we may feel the closest, there might be someone here today, and you feel the closest you ever have, and you might have served God for years, closest you ever have to throwing in the towel and casting away your confidence in Christ. It's right then that God's going to hold you. It's right then you need to look to him, and you say, Lord, I'm so close. If you don't hold me, I'm done. He says, I've been holding you. How do you think you made it this far? I'm not letting you go. Look at this, if you're still in Hebrews 10, where we open. Look at Hebrews 10, verse, Hebrews 22 and 23. Hebrews 10, 22, 22. Let us draw near with the true heart in full assurance. Full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. God is encouraging us once again. Hold with uh, full assurance. That means full conviction, certainty. What are we to hold to? Our profession in verse 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith. What is our profession? Profession doesn't just mean saying the words. I profess this. Okay, and just speak it. It has to, it's a lot deeper than that. A profession of our faith means an agreement. And I love this. It means terms of surrender. That's kind of weird. Our profession means terms of surrender. When you gave your life to Christ, you believed on him. We surrendered our lives to him. There were terms in that. And the terms was, you give me your life and I'll give you eternal life. I'll take your sin from you and I'll come and live in you. And be your Savior and Lord and God. And you'll be joint heirs with, with Christ. Terms of surrender. We're to hold fast to that and not throw in the towel. Paul told Timothy when the last chapter that he wrote before he was martyred for the Lord. He says, but continue thou in the things that thou hast learned. Don't throw in the towel. Continue thou in the things that thou hast learned. And being assured of knowing of whom you have learned them. I just want to read this from Acts chapter 14. Paul on his last missionary journey, it says, confirming the souls of the, the, souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith. There's nowhere we could turn in the Bible practically where it's not exhorting the believers. They're already believers to keep believing. And he warns us, this is what it's going to be like. It's going to get hard. Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 10, I'm sending you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. He told them ahead of time, this is going to be tough. It's going to come a day when people that kill you think they're doing a God a favor. It's going to be tough. I'm sending you forth out there. He says, but lo, I'm with you always. Fear them not, therefore, 
which can destroy the body but not the soul. Trust in the Lord. He, Paul confirmed the souls. That means to give one something to lean on. Paul, the last time he saw him, said, the last thing I'm giving you is something to lean on. I'm not going to see you again. And he confirmed the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith that, and that we must, through much tribulation, enter the kingdom of God. We must. We must, through much tribulation, enter the kingdom of God. I don't think it was just for the Christians in Paul's day. I think we're going to enter in through much tribulation. Some people more than others. Some are martyred for the faith today and this, this age in which we live. But we're all persecuted to an extent and go through persecutions. And the Lord says, you're going to enter in. You know what the Lord wants to tell us this morning? You're going to make it. Because even these he encouraged. He says, we must, through much tribulation, enter the kingdom of heaven. You're going to go through tribulations and you're going to enter the kingdom of heaven. He wants us to know that. He wants us to trust him and believe him for that. And it's absolutely not the time to cast away our confidence. You know what we need to do? Besides this message this morning, we need to exhort one another and encourage one another. People are going through, we're all going through common trials because of the age in which we live. And then, then to others going through more specific trials and tribulations and persecutions and so forth. But the Bible says in the same context that we are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but instead we are to provoke one another to love and good works. Provoke here means to incite to good, to stir, to sharpen, to walk alongside one another. It's absolutely not the time to let up or forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Amen? One more scripture, a couple more scriptures I want to read from Hebrews 2. I'll go ahead and read it, verse 1. Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. Have you ever let something slip? You're supposed to have lunch with somebody and you totally forgot and it slipped my mind. I'm so sorry. It just slipped. It got away from I should have written it down. Okay, we let things slip through our hands unintentionally. Somebody drops a pop, pop fly in a baseball game. They let it slip. It happens all the times, the time. But it says here, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard. Not necessarily something new. We hear it. Things of God, lest at any time we should let them slip. What does it mean to let, spiritually speaking, to let something slip? Slip means to flow by, to let carelessly pass, to let pass carelessly, just kind of let it go, drop the ball, so to speak. You could have held on to it, but you didn't. You could have paid attention to what you're doing and not dropped it, and you just kind of got distracted and you let it slip. It happens. It can't happen in the things of God. This is the warning. This is the admonition. It's happened to me plenty of things in life that I've let slip. But I've thought about this, you know, abandoning the faith, coming to a place where someone draws back unto perdition or falls away from Christ. It doesn't just happen with, in one fell swoop where they say uh, they're going, seeking God with all their heart, and in the next five seconds they're turning their back and walking away and said, I'm trampling the blood of Jesus underfoot. 
doesn't happen. What, is, what happens? It happens through letting things slip. Things of God slip. Uh, it happens by being careless with things of, of the Lord. We can become careless with the things of God. And it can happen over a series of gradual compromises. That's the way I think of it. It's gradual. Could it could end up, doesn't have to end up, could, it, could repent somewhere down the line. Lord, I've been careless with the things of God. I've neglected the assembling of myself. I've neglected your word. I've walked in the world for the last six months, and I repent, and God bring me out. Sometimes it ends up where you don't, you say, I don't, I don't, I'm so far away, I don't even want that anymore. And people turn from Christ and turn from the faith. But it happens by holding on very loosely to what we should hold on to very tightly. It has to be a conscious thing. There's a lot of things going on in life. What I, what I put first, well, we put Christ first. We put the Lord first. We put holding on to Christ first. We put walking in his ways first. And I say it all the time, if I put him first, nothing of any consequence or any value is going to suffer. But if I put God first, work will suffer. No, it won't. You'll be the best worker you've ever been. If I put God first, my children will suffer. My spouse will suffer. No, they won't. You'll be the best father, husband, mother uh, you could possibly be, wife, by, by putting God first. He knows what he's talking about, okay? And we become careless, and we let things slip, things that we should hold on to. God has given us things to strengthen our faith. He's given us things to strengthen our walk with Christ. He's given us things to edify the new man, and we let him flow by. Remember, slip means to flow by. Just, I don't know, I got caught up with raising kids, and I got caught up with this and that and a new work schedule, and somewhere down the line, God's way back in the rearview mirror. He ought not ever be way back in the rearview mirror. I ought to be looking unto him. He'd be ahead of me. And walk in. The Bible says, hold fast, hold forth, hold to. We begin to hold on loosely, and it flows by. Gets away from us. Time gets away from us. Our children get away from us. Where'd the time go? How am I all, all my kids this old already? Time gets away from us. Our children get away from us. Our love for Christ gets away from us. I don't know. I don't know what day it happened. It didn't happen on a day. It happened over days. It happened by letting the things of God slip. The very things that we should have held on to most tightly, white knuckle holding on to the Lord, are the things we let slip. We held on real tightly to all these other things that we can't possibly keep anyway. If God has to, he'll pry our hands off of them. Too much attention given to temporal things, and we begin to neglect and let slip the things that are eternal. Somewhere along the line, we drift and let things slip. It shouldn't be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. I'm going I'm to bring this to a close. If you're still in, back in Hebrews 10, look at the end of this chapter, verses 38 and 39. Now, there's that word again, now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back under perdition, 
but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Draw back here means to let down or to shrink back. The just shall live by faith if any man, if any man draw back. So it is possible for a man to draw back unto perdition. Perdition means destruction or ruin, even damnation, waste. I don't want to draw back under perdition, and I don't want you to draw back under unto perdition. Again, now is our salvation nearer than the day that we believed. We're closer. Two things I want to bring out from the opening scripture, which was Hebrews 10, 30, 35, and 36. Cast not away our confidence. He says, it has great recompense of reward. Your confidence in the Lord, what I started with this morning, your confidence and faith in Almighty God brings with it a great recompense of reward. In other words, payback in a good way. Buy a good payback. It means to render or to repay. Remember that by faith the elders obtained a good report. How did the elders that are listed in Hebrews 11, Joshua and Abel and Abraham and Sarah and, and Noah building the ark. How did they obtain what they obtained? By faith. They obtained it by faith. And our faith in God brings with it great reward. Our confidence in Christ carries with it great reward. In fact, it's the only thing that carries any real reward. The wages of sin is death. The reward of sin in the end is death. Even though it has pleasure for a season, it's not really rewarding the sinner. The wages of sin is death. But faith in God has a great recompense of reward, eternal, eternal rewards that he gives us. For the Lord is not unrighteous to forget your labor and that you have shown towards his name and that you have ministered and do minister to the saints. He's not going to forget these things. Uh, your father would see it in secret, shall reward you openly. So that's number one. Our faith in God's going to carry with it great rewards that are coming our way from the Lord. Number two, he says, we have need of patience. Look at verse 36. All of us, everyone that's a believer in Christ, we think we can just float and everything's great. We have need of patience that after we have done the will of God, we might receive the promise. Patience means a hopeful or cheerful endurance, constance, continuance, waiting. You might say, well, I've done, served God in all my life and things have just gone lousy. Be patient. Be thankful and be patient, okay? Be patient. We don't throw in the towel. We keep our eyes on the Lord and believe. It's the mocker that says, yeah, all of y'all have said that he's coming. Where's the promises of his coming? Everything's continued as of days uh, since Noah. Everything's continued and so forth. No, it hasn't. It hasn't continued, and he is coming, and he promises that he's coming. And we're believing, and we're holding on. And we're not the mockers, and we're not the scoffers. He says, you have need of patience that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. And I love this. Yet a little while, verse 37, and we'll close. And he that shall come will come and will not tarry, period. Let a little, yet a little while, he that's going to come is going to come. And he's not going to tarry. He's tarrying now. Because he's not willing that any perish. And, and God knows 
his times, right? It's in God's hands, the times. But he's told us this is the time. He's told us to look up for our redemption draws nigh. And he tells us that in a little while he that will come, shall come, will come, and will not tarry. He's coming. And he's going to come quickly. It says in Revelation 20, Jesus, 22, last chapter of the Bible, and behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. He's coming. Amen? He's coming back. And God doesn't want us to shrink back or draw back or go back or give in or give up or cave in. He wants us to not cast away our confidence, but to keep our eyes upon the Lord and keep ourselves, ourselves firmly in the faith. Amen? Y'all stand with me this morning. I want to read this from Hebrews. The altar's open now, but it says in Hebrews, and we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. How long do we trust in God? We trust in him to the end. Hope will end in sight. Faith will end in sight. When we see him, we'll be like him and won't have trouble, trouble believing anymore. You know what I mean? We'll, we won't have trouble, trouble hanging on to our faith anymore. But hold on to the end, the assurance of hope unto the end that ye be not slothful, but followers of them which through faith and patience inherit the promises. God wants us to inherit all the promises. And if there's just one thought this morning, it's very simple. Don't cast away your confidence in the Lord. Don't cast away your confidence in the Lord this close to the prize, this close to the rewards that are coming. Like I said, either we're going to be raptured or we'll die, but either way, we're the Lord's. Either way, it just gets better for us, no worse. And these altars are open. Just come. Maybe you've been tempted to throw up, cast off your faith. Maybe you've been tempted to, to go back into the world or partially into the world. Maybe your love for God is not what it once was. Maybe your pursuit after the Lord with all of your heart is now with only part of your heart. Maybe you've let things slip. You've let things that it should be held on to tightly, you've let them carelessly pass through your hands. It could be your time in the Word. It could be when's the last time did you share the gospel with somebody. It could be... Um, you're concerned about your kids in school and their grades, but when's the last time you talked to them about their souls and made sure that they're reading the Bible and so forth? It could be a lot of things that we've let slip. All we can do is ask God to forgive us and to strengthen us and strengthen our faith and commit by the grace of God to hold on to what we've let slip before. God, I pray you would strengthen us as your people this morning. We are living right now in what your word describes as perilous times, God. And in this time, you said some are going to depart from the faith. Some are not going to want sound doctrine anymore, and they won't endure it. They're going to want fables, and they're going to turn away from the truth and be turned unto fables. God, we're telling you this morning, as weak as we are, we, we want you. We desire you. We don't want to go back. We're not going to, by the grace of God, draw back or shrink back. But with great patience, God, we're going to hold on to our confidence in Christ, which has with it a great recompense of reward. 
God, I pray you'd strengthen us more now than ever. Now more than ever, God, that you would strengthen us to to do your will, to seek your face, God. We praise you, God. We bless you. Lord, we're here this morning humbling ourselves before you, saying that we need you, Father. We need you to strengthen us just day by day, minute by minute, God. Help us not to let things slip that we should hold on to tightly. And help us not to hold on tightly to things that we should let slip, God. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord.